Yo, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kit Podcast, a Saturday episode. <laughs> a Saturday episode. Okay, a Saturday episode. We are um in all-star weekend. So this kind this is this is somewhat um it's it's viewed as the halfway point of the regular season. Um, I hope I hope everybody there is doing fine and well. I am doing well. This is your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Welcome back. I'm glad to I'm glad that you guys came back. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that you guys came back. But um as mentioned, this is this is the halfway point of the NBA season, all-star weekend. Uh, I usually now I, I I don't know what it is about I don't know what it is, but I usually feel a little bit more excited and a little bit more pumped for All Star Weekend, and I don't quite feel that way. I don't quite feel that way. I'm now I I am gonna watch the game. I am gonna watch the festivities. Um, I think it's very interesting how the way the NBA has it set up. Obviously, if you don't know the NBA, like all of the all of the Saturday events that you got that they usually come on on Saturday, like the dunk contest, the skills challenge, the three point contest, and so forth, all that good stuff, that comes on on Sunday. So it's a it's a it's a more so of an all star day, really. It's not really all star weekend. It's a really an all star day. So that should be interesting to watch. Like I said. I'm usually a little bit more pumped and a little bit more juvenated, you know, with All-Star Weekend and so forth. I am excited. I did watch the draft with, with, you know, with LeBron and KD. That was pretty entertaining. That was pretty funny to watch. And and I think the game should be fun to watch because the game last year was really good. The game last year was really good. Um, And both players, I feel like, picked some really good teams. Um... But we have NFL news, NBA news, the NFL, you know, I told you guys the salary cap is going to continue to go down. So the salary cap around across the league, this isn't this isn't any this isn't for any particular team or, you know, any conference or so forth. No, it is a salary cap and it's getting it's getting cut all across the league. Um, you know, due to COVID, due to COVID nineteen, so you're gonna see some players get released. Um, I've seen a couple. I mean, th- it's gonna be so much massive turnover in the NFL and so many transactions. It's not gonna be funny, okay? And I've already seen a couple. Uh, I talked about Kyle Van Noy of the Dolphins. Uh, the, you, I, I, you know, some of you got. I got some feedback from some of you guys about that situation and why did they why did they let him go and that's why they they had to let Kyle Van Nooy go because I think they saved like 10 million dollars in this you know and they saved like 10 million dollars uh by cutting Kyle Van Nooy and I talked about how how unfair the contracts are but and you, I'm sure you guys have seen some other players across the league, like uh, Alex Smith of the Washington Football Team. They cut his stake; they released him. They saved like 14, 15 million in the set in their, you know, with their salary cap. 
Uh, Big Ben did not get cut, but he restructured his deal and he took a lot less. And, you know, we're going to talk about that, obviously. Um, and I also saw Richie, Richie Incognito of the Raiders offensive tackle, offensive lineman. He he got released. And I'm sure they I'm sure the Ravens probably shaved a portion of their salary. cap. So overall, all I'm in all what I'm in essence of what I'm trying to say is. You're going to see some players that are pretty good. Like I said, Kyle Van Noy, he's a he's a he was a, he was a solid linebacker for the for the uh for the Dolphins. He signed the four-year deal just last year, but his salary got cut because they're able to save money and yeah, I, uh, you're going to see you're going to see you're going to see a lot of players like that getting cut. Um because teams got to teams got to be able to be flexible in the free agency market. And then, you know, they draft these rookies, rookie deals, and so forth. So all that good stuff. Let's start, and let's get with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Because this situation is so strange, and I just can't stay. I I, I can't. I don't want to say. I don't, don't want to say it like this, but. People are acting like this Russell Wilson trade is so far-fetched like and and, and and i understand why because you're thinking like why would the seattle seahawks trade russell wilson like why would they do that he, he's the best he's the best player in franchise history i think i think i think everybody in the sports world and in the nfl community can acknowledge since the legion of boom uh since the seahawks like parted ways with players of the Legion of Boom in that defense, Russell Wilson has been the Seahawks saving grace. I think everybody can admit that. I think everybody can admit that. So and so I do so I understand why people kind of find it like it's no way on God's green earth the Seattle Seahawks are trading Russell Wilson. Okay. Uh okay. I, I mean that's that's that that's fair to say. I think it's very fair to say. There's no way that they're gonna trade Russell Wilson, but these reports tell me something differently. I, it, it tell me from reading it wrong. I'm sure you guys have seen the reports. They're all over the place. That uh, ESPN's Diana Russini. She's been she's been on this thing over the last couple days. She's been tweeting left and right about this topic. Let me quote her on one of her tweets. I was told the Seahawks are not are not shopping Russell Wilson, but calls have been made from other teams acquiring and have been answered. So and, and also I saw I saw a clip that she I saw an interview of I saw a clip of an interview that she did, Diana Rossini of ESPN, and she stated the Seattle Seahawks, they're not only taking calls. From other teams, they are calling other teams. So I see this report, and in other words, they're like, "Yeah, we're not we're not trying to trade Russell Wilson, but we are taking calls from teams that might want to trade for Russell Wilson." Like, <laughs> it is clear both sides are are done with each other. I think that's fair to say. Both sides are fed up with each other. And from a Russell Wilson perspective, 
I think he has every right to be. I think he has every right to be. And I've talked about this. I, I, I and I talked about this already. Um, a couple weeks ago, I brought it up a couple weeks ago. I brought it up last year. I brought it up throughout the season. Every time Russell Wilson steps off the team bus, he has to put his Superman cape on. Simple as that. Simple as that. And 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 also, there's a. I, I, I've I've called this out already. But there is there was a power structure um issue happening going on in Seattle. <laughs> there's a power structure. There there's a power structure going on. And 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 it's I told you guys it starts with Pete Curl. But Russell Wilson, the fact that people are saying, oh, my, I, I just hear so many people saying, oh, there's no way the Seahawks are going to trade Russell Wilson. Not according to these reports. I mean, they're like, they're saying, the Seahawks are saying, like, yeah, we're not trading Russell Wilson, but we are taking calls from other teams and we're calling other teams in regards to perhaps trading Russell Wilson. So, what sense does that make? But I knew I knew these trade rumors were real when I basically a couple weeks ago I asked, well, why haven't the Seahawks? Why haven't Pete Curl? Why haven't the Seahawks front office? Why hasn't anybody put out a message or did an interview on a podcast, a local sports radio station? I mean, somewhere. Why didn't they do why didn't they put out a message a message basically saying, hey, this is our quarterback. Russ is our guy. He's our franchise guy. Why didn't they what I, I was it, it, it like the story when the story first came out about Russell Wilson and you know his unpleasantness. Seattle should have said it like a whole week went by. And Seattle, the C the Seahawks brass and Pete Curl didn't put out a message that, you know what, this is our quarterback, this is our guy. What that automatically showed me was, oh, I mean, there'd be if they get if the Seahawks get the right deal, they'd be open, they'd be open to trading Russell Wilson. They'd be open to trading Russell Wilson. Now, also, as I stated, Russell Wilson has four teams that he would that he he he's that he would go to because he has the he has the no trade clause, so he he's essentially he can pick where he wants to go, <laughs> essentially, and he put out four teams: the New Orleans Saints, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Chicago Bears, and the Dallas Cowboys. So you know, so he put those four teams out, and <laughs> and I would I would I would I would think those are the four teams. Um, that the Seahawks have been in contact with. And it makes complete sense for all four teams. I mean, I heard Mike Mayock talk about uh Derek Carr. And I like and Derek Carr, he's grown on me. Um he's he really has. He's really grown on me. And the Raiders, that's not the Raiders' problem. The Raiders' problem is not Derek Carr. So Mike Mayock, he looks like he's standing firm but with with Derek Carr. So I'm not sure if the Raiders are even on 
you know, as far as in the in the hunt for this trade to happen or even to take place. So I'm looking at the Seattle. I'm looking at the the Saints, the Cowboys, and the Bears. <laughs> and I talked about the Cowboys. Like I talked about that already. Big D, you know, Big D, Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboys, Big Brand, Russell Wilson. Like makes sense, right? Then you know the Saints. It made sense because they got a really good roster, and they do have some financial issues in some finance and some financial burdens that may prevent them or uh, or may make it a bit peculiar to uh, pick up Russell Wilson. But then I look at the Bears. I look at the Chicago Bears, and I look at their quarterback situation. I look at the, I look at the Chicago Bears, and I look at their quarterback situation. I look at their defense, and I look at their roster, and I'm like. The Bears are a quarterback away from really being in the Super Bowl bubble. Simple as that. And with a guy of Russell Wilson's cal- caliber, Russell Wilson is a top is arguably a top three quarterback. I think he's a top three quarterback. You know, Mahomes, Rodgers, however you want to put it, Mahomes, Rodgers, Rodgers, Mahomes. My preference, I would go Mahomes, Rodgers, Russell Wilson. That's my preference. So Russell Wilson is arguably a top three quarterback in football. Uh, most people would agree with that. And the Bears, they have an opportunity to cash in and get their franchise quarterback that they've been looking for. Like the Bears, I mean, I've never – and please, don't, 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 don't bring up Jay Cutler. I, in, in my existence, I have never seen – I've never seen the Bears have a franchise quarterback. Um, even prior to my existence, they haven't had a franchise quarterback. Bears have had defenses, great linebackers, great defenses, you know, great running backs, Gale Sayers, Walter Payton, like, you know, great, great players all over the place. But they have never had a great quarterback. Jim McMahon, yeah, he was, he was, he was okay. They won the Super Bowl with him, but that Super Bowl win was about the 85 Bears defense, not Jim McMahon. Okay. So the Bears, in my account, have never had a franchise guy. Why not do it right now? And the reason why I mentioned I'm, I'm I'm talking about the Bears, and I'm you know I'm talking about them so much because it reminds me of Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos. When Peyton, think about it. When Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, he had a defensive-minded head coach and John Fox. I think I think John Fox. Yes, John Fox was the coach. I think. Um, and the Broncos had a really good defense. Look, led by Von Miller, uh, no fly zone in the secondary with Hakeem Tlaib, uh, Chris Hurst Jr. They had some really productive players in that secondary, no fly zone. And then offensively, you look at the weapons they had. They had Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Julius Thomas. Um, they, they had some good pieces on, on, on offense. You know, they added Wes Walker and they added Tammy and all these good people, you know. And I look at the Chicago Bears, I'm like, wow, the Chicago Bears got a great pass rush in Khalil Mack. Um, aging, he's aging, he's getting older, but he's still a, a real, a, he's still a, like, he's still amongst the elite pass rushers in football. They have a good linebacking core, a pretty good secondary. Mm, young kid coaching Matt Nagy, offensively minded. This, the if Russell Wilson was to get traded to the Bears, um, and they kept like, and the Bears kept most of their defensive assets, 
it would remind me a lot of Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos that Peyton Manning joined. The same Denver Broncos team who has had similar struggles um, to the Bears. Uh, now, the, no, now, the Bears have never had a John Elway uh, type of quarterback in their team's history. But if you look at the Broncos, after John Elway, who has been their franchise guy? Oh, no. Please don't tell me Jay Cutler. Please don't tell me Kyle Orton. And please, damn sure, don't tell me Tim Tebow. So <laughs> they have had a lot of guys. And they, they Peyton Manning filled that void at the right opportune time. And I feel like with Russell Wilson, with this Bears roster, I'm looking at the Bears. I'm like, oh, okay. The Bears are his like the Bears are historic blue blood franchise within the NFL. That would be a great move legacy wise if Russell Wilson is able if he's if he gets traded to Chicago and if he's able to win some games and ultimately get Chicago over the top. Because defensively, you look at their roster, Chicago has a championship level defense. They have been just missing a quarterback for years. For years, they have been missing a quarterback, and it continues. It just continues. It ju it just continues, and <laughs> they haven't had a quarterback in years. Simple as that. They just they just haven't had a quarterback in years. They need Russell Wilson. The, the city of Chicago is just starving for a quarterback. <laughs> just starving for a quarterback, and that would be that would that would be big for Chicago. That would be big for the Bears, but. Um, as I already mentioned, I just I was just made aware of a report that uh the Saints they're gonna be restructuring Demario Davis or they plan to restructure Demario Davis con contract. Um, I think you know they save a, quite a bit of money if they're able to restructure it. Um, but I, I, as I told you guys, it's gonna be a lot of player movement. Um, I, I told you guys this before the end of the. You know, I think at the end of the season or before the end of the season, whatever, I told you guys that um, it was going to be a lot of player movement. And with the league having to cut down the salary cap, teams are going to try to create some type of space so, they able, so they're able to sign uh, some free agents. Like, I, I know, I know, like, off the top of my head, I know the Saints are, are salary cap strapped. I know. The Packers are salary cap strapped. I know the Steelers are salary cap strapped. And they just made they they you know they gave Big Ben, they restructured Big Ben's deal. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more later um on this episode. Uh so I I, I the, you know the did I did I mention the Packers? I did say the Packers. I know though I know those off the top of my head, those teams are salary cap strapped. Houston. Salary cap strapped. That the Cowboys, you know, they they're paying a lot of guys. So you you're gonna see quite a few guys get get their deals restructured. Um, even look at I, I talked about Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy, he got his deal restructured. So you're gonna see a lot of deals getting restructured and so forth. Um, players that have you know a a good amount of salary or take up a a good amount of portion of the salary cap. Uh yeah, their their salary is going to be restructured. Some of their contracts are going to get restructured, and some guys may very well get released. So, uh, let's get into it. 
Uh, I'm going to give you guys – so this is what I'm going to do. Since we're at the halfway mark of the NBA season, All-Star weekend or more so All-Star, like, day, <laughs> uh, kind of weirdly, uh, and due to obvious reasons because of COVID, I'm going to do a season overview of the top five – the top five-ish teams in each conference – uh, if you're like now, I know Denver and Dallas is at six and eight. They're, Denver's at the six seed, Dallas at the eight seed. So I'm 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 gonna bring them in too because I I I I watch a lot of those game, a lot of their games too. But I'm gonna talk about the top five teams in both conferences at least, and we will just start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, it won't take it won't take too long. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the Eastern Conference is weak. The Eastern Conference is weak, and it's been it's been inherently weak for the last twenty five years at least. Uh, so let's get into it. Okay, the Philadelphia 76ers, they are the one seed. The Sixers are the one seed, and they're at twenty four. They're sitting at twenty four and twelve, best record in the Eastern Conference. Now, obviously, a big reason why they had the best record in the Eastern Conference: Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's averaging thirty points per game. 11 rebounds a night and, you know, about three assists. He and his shooting splits are pretty good. Joel Embiid is now – it seems like he's now putting the full package together, and I'm so excited to see it. See it. Because when you, when he puts the full package together, um, he's in the, he's, he's in the best shape of his life, you know, hasn't been too injury prone. He's had some knick-knack injuries here and there. He's missed six games uh, so far this year. But, but even to that case, even to that point, in those six games, the 76ers are one in five. Joel Embiid's missed six games. In those six games, Joel the Sixers are one in five. So that so that that could strengthen his MVP case. But I think he's in the best shape of his life. Uh, he's had a mindset change, and I also think it helps when they like the Sixers added more shooting. That's why. I was so and I was such a fan of Daryl Morey of, of the Sixers hiring Daryl Morey because I'm like this is perfect. The Sixers have been lacking shooting for years. They've been lacking shooting. They I mean especially last year. They lack jump shooters. And I'm like if it's one thing that Daryl Morey is going to do, he's going to add shooting and that he did. Added Seth Curry. Um he didn't add Shake Milton. Shake Milton was already there. But his role has, you know, has increased. Uh, added Daddy Green. These are these are players that have been impactful for the Sixers so far. And I'm thinking about and also Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris having a really good year. He he, you know, he could have been an All Star this year. If you you can make the argument that he could have been an All Star this year. I I don't know who you know he you couldn't make it anybody over anybody. But Tobias Harris, you could have made an argument that he could have been an all-star this year. He's uh averaging about 20 points, shooting 40, he having a 40, 50, 90 season. So he's playing well. Uh or 50, 40, 90, excuse me. He's playing well this year. And it's not surprising to me because I, I predicted that he would play well this year. Because if you look at Tobias Harris' career year, his career year was with the Los Angeles Clippers, and Doc Rivers was coaching the Clippers. Now, Doc Rivers is coaching Philadelphia. 
So it makes sense that he's having another great year. Um, Ben Simmons doing what Ben Simmons does. You guys know I love Ben Simmons. I don't love the jump shot. I know that's a big part of today's game. And I just wish he can find some remnants of it. But he just can't so far yet. Um, but he does everything else at a really at a really high level. Like passing, defense. He does, he does playmaking. He does everything else at a pretty high level where it makes him an all-star caliber player despite the jump shot. Despite the jump shot. But the, the thing I like about Philadelphia is I think in the Eastern Conference, because you guys know I have the Nets coming out the East, and I think in the Eastern Conference, the Sixers, they provide, they they are the biggest threats to the Nets, the Sixers. They are they are the biggest threats to the Nets. And I, and I think about it like this. You can't beat the Nets by playing how they play. The Nets, they play a lot of small ball, and I'm going to talk about the Nets next. <laughs> but Brooklyn plays a lot of small ball. Uh, they utilize they utilize their guys in so many ways. Like I, I look at a guy like I, I just they utilized a lot of their guys in small opportunities, small ball. With Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, it's no surprise that they they have a they run a lot of small ball lineups. You cannot beat Brooklyn like that. And if you try to beat Brook, if you try to play Brooklyn's game. You cannot beat them in a in a best out of seven series. You can't beat them four times four times out of seven trying to play their style of basketball because they will win. You won't be able to beat them four out of seven times. But the reason why I think Philadelphia provides such a threat, or why I think they're such a threat, is because they can play big. They can play bully ball. They can play down low. They have a. They, I mean, they could use Embiid. In his post move and his post presence, and take advantage of this of the net of the of the Brooklyn Nets. Excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets' lack of depth and lack of front court size. They can take advantage of that. That they can take advantage of that, and I think that's why in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers provide the biggest threat towards the Brooklyn Nets getting to the finals. It's because they can play inside out and they have and they have enough shooting where if you try to clog the lane they can kick it out to their shooters now on to Brooklyn who had who is the who's the current number two seed in the Eastern Conference at 24 and 13 and the Brooklyn Nets have been phenomenal they've been phenomenal over the last couple over the last several weeks or so they have just been on an absolute tear and it's been led by James Harden it's been orchestrated by James Harden and some people are surprised because, like, oh, my gosh, James Harden, he's showing his versatility. I told you guys I'm not surprised. Uh, this is who this is who James Harden's always been. It's just that when he was in Houston, he was required to – he was required to average 33 a night. Now he doesn't have to. So now he can average 25 and 12, 25 and 11, and that's easy for him. He makes it look effortless. And I, I told you guys once again. The Brooklyn Nets. I love how the way they they only have one loss versus the like the elite teams in the league. They have one loss versus the elite teams in the league. They have beaten Phoenix. They beat the Clippers twice. They beat uh, I think they beat they beat yes they beat Utah. They beat the Lakers. Like 
they're they're elite. They beat the Bucks. They're elite versus the elite competition in the league. And I like that. I like that aspect because that shows me, hey, you're able to beat the the, the playoff caliber teams, the teams that you may see in the second in com in the second round and in the conference finals. But not only that, and people are not talking about it enough, but the Brooklyn Nets over this over this last stretch or so where if you date back all the way to the start of the Western Conference road trip, all the way up to their last game, which was versus Houston, they are top 15 in defensive rating. And I think that's that's significant because when it, when James Harden first got traded, they were dead last. Now, they worked themselves into the top 15. And I think they're like around 11 or 12. If 12, it could have changed. But over the last stretch, over this over this stretch since the all since the Western Conference road trip all the way up to All Star break, now they're in the top fifteen of defensive rating. So, and like I said, the Nets don't have to be like they don't have to be the ninety six Bulls defensively. They don't have to be the nineties Bulls defensively or the eighties Pistons, the bad boy Pistons defensively to win a championship because they have so much op. They have so much offensive versatility and weaponry so they don't have to have a, a elite defense they can be a okay defense as long as they're not terrible as long as they as long as they're able to get stops when they need them i think brooklyn's fine milwaukee and i just can't and i and before i move on brooklyn does i, I want to see you know I, I can't wait to see kevin durant return back to this potent lineup but then I also think they do need to add some more size and depth in the front court so teams like Philadelphia won't be able to take advantage and just full and just fully exploit the lack of size of the Brooklyn Nets. I do think a guy like Hassan Whiteside, a Andre Drummond, a JaVale McGee would help the Brooklyn Nets. Um at 3, the Bucks. It's it's been a roller coaster. It's literally literally it's literally been a roller coaster season for the for the Milwaukee Bucks so far. And it's so funny because they're catching a lot of heat because you know they haven't been as consistent this year. But in, but like over the past couple of years, they've won 60 games. And it's like it don't matter. Like we always say, it don't matter what you do in the regular season, Milwaukee. Let's see you do in the playoffs. And now they're struggling a little bit in the in the um in the in the regular season. And it's like, oh, what's going on, with Milwaukee? <laughs> but you know. It's it's that it's that sort of thing where we you know we're kind of contradicting ourselves, but I thought there was cause for pause with Milwaukee over the last couple weeks, but now um they got since they got Drew Holiday back they've been playing some pretty good basketball, um uh, and, and it just show it just shows how important how valuable Drew, Drew Holiday really is to this book to this Bucks team because I think his his if he's a, if they're able to get to the second round or conference finals, I think his impact will show. It will show. Uh, what he brings defensively, what he brings offensively, he's another shot creator, another playmaker. Um, and, and that's over the last couple of years, that's quite frankly what the Milwaukee Bucks have lacked. Do I have them getting to the finals this year? No, I don't. Um, I just haven't seen enough improvement from Giannis. And that's the thing. Yes, they added Drew Holiday, they, you know, they they went all out. The Bucks went all out to try to please Giannis, and it worked because he signed the supermax deal. But now Giannis, he has to he has to evolve his game. 
he has to expand his game. He has to. He has to. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I feel about the Bucks. Celtics as the four seed, very similar to the Bucks. They've had a roller coaster type season. They finished off the, you know, before All Star break, they finished off pretty well. I think they won like three or four straight. So, you know, that's that's good news for them. But I'm still eerie of the Celtics. Uh, their problems. You guys know how I feel about the Celtics. Their prob. They still have problems. They, you know, they still lack size. They still lack depth. They don't have. They don't. They're not great in the interior. Um, and they try to play this small ball, which they they, they have to. But I look at a team like Brooklyn, Boston, and I, I just don't like that matchup for Boston because they just can't keep up with Brooklyn. Um. And, you know, Kimball Walker, I told you guys, he's a defensive liability, and now he's a depreciating asset. So the Celtics are stuck with that contract. They do have the $28 million trade exception that they could use, but knowing Danny Ainge, he probably won't use it. Uh, so that's how I feel about the Celtics. I, 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 the bright side is they have two emerging, it look like they have two emerging superstars to be. They, I mean, Jason Tatum, you know, Jason Tatum is already – Looked at as like a top 15 player in basketball. Some people probably have him top 12, top 13, so forth. And Jalen Brown is slowly rising. He's having a really good year and improved dividends because he's in the, he's, he's, he's a first-time All-Star this year. So that's the bright side for the Celtics. They got two emerging perimeter players. Two emerging superstar perimeter, perimeter players. But depreciating asset and Kimba. And Danny Ainge is just his trigger finger sucks. Uh, then that five New York Knicks, nineteen and eighteen, gotta give the Knicks some credit. I uh, or props, you know, you guys know I don't give credit, but I'm gonna give the Knicks some props because I, I quite frankly, I didn't see him. I I did not see the Knicks getting to this point. I I mean, if you would have told me the Knicks would be the five seed, I would have slapped you. <laughs> like I would have slapped you if you would have told me the Knicks would be the five seed at the All Star break, but they are. And got to give some props. Got to tilt my hat to Tom Thibodeau. Uh, you know, Tibbs. I he's a he's a hard nosed guy. He he's he he you know his teams usually give a lot of effort, a lot of effort on the defensive end. They just play a lot of minutes. They practice a lot. I I'm sure. So, <laughs> and you if you look at the the Knicks' young core, it's not really that impressive. Like Emmanuel quickly, quickly, he's he was probably the still of the draft. Because he's instant offense off the bench for the Knicks. But you look at the other Knicks young pieces, Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, not really, not, haven't really panned out to be what they thought they would be yet, at least, at least for Obi Toppin. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Knox has been in the league for, a, you know, for a couple years now. So that, you know, it kind of feels like it is what it is. But Julius Randle, obviously, first time All-Star. RJ Barrett's played well, but but Julius Randle, the way how he's expanded his game, he's a walking, he's averaging 23 and 11. Uh, he's I think he's averaging like four or five assists as well. And he's shooting 40% from three, which is I I love to see it because I, I saw I, I used to watch Julius Randle a lot in Kentucky. I watched him a lot in, with the Lakers. I watched him in New Orleans, and now he's a first-time all-star and he's shooting a three ball at a high clip. So I'm I'm happy. I'm genuinely happy for uh, for Julius Randle and the Knicks. The Knicks, you know, the, I think the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. 
or or you know or relevant at least. Because they, I mean, let's be honest, they're not a good team, but they're a, they're a team that gives a lot of effort, young squad, and they're making the they're gonna probably make the playoffs. But it's just the NBA is so much better. It's just one of those things with NBA is so much better when the Knicks are good. Like the NFL, you can't, you guys can't tell me the NFL is not better when the Cowboys and the Raiders and the Dolphins and this. Like you guys can't tell me that the the NFL is not better when those the Steelers are good. Like, come on, come on, be honest. But let's move on to the Western Conference. Uh, we got Utah as the one seed at 27-9. Utah, they've played some great basketball throughout the year so far. You know, the best record-wise, they have the best record in the league. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I think they're the best team in the league, though. Utah, I, I worry about their perimeter defense. Uh, I, I, Donovan Mitchell, I have no question about. He's a he, he He's great. He's great. He's energetic. He, he, I see him display some good leadership uh, qualities at times. Uh, I know he had a moment, uh, you know, the post game conference after the Philly after the Philly game, but rightfully so. But neither here nor there. I do worry about the Utah Jazz perimeter defense because I know they have Royce O'Neal, but I'm just not sure if they have enough perimeter defenders. So, like, when things get tight in the playoffs and you need stops, and I know they have a rim protector and Rudy Gobert, probably the best rim protector in basketball, but still, when things get tough, do they have a wing? Do they have perimeter defenders to stick on LeBron, to stick on Kawhi, to stick on Luka, to stick on Devin Booker? Do they have those guys? I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure if they have those guys. Also, Rudy Gobert, I'm glad I brought him up. Rudy Gobert is a great defender, great rim protector. But Rudy Gobert, he got absolutely treated like food versus Joel Embiid. And I know Embiid is playing like a he's, a, he's a monster. Embiid is beasting and feasting. But Rudy Gobert should not be getting treated like, like, like a child. And that's what Embiid treated Rudy Gobert. He treated him like a child. Okay, so that 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 can't happen. That can't happen again. If you're Rudy Gobert, that cannot happen. You can't get treated like food. But nevertheless, the Jazz, I like them. Um, I'm I don't think when 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 teams are fully healthy. Excuse me, I'm sorry. When teams are fully healthy, I'm not sure if the Jazz are the best team in the West Conference. I think it's between the Lakers and the Clippers, um, and maybe another team that I like. But I don't think it's the Jazz who are the best team in the conference. Now, they have the best record. They've played really well. They've been the most consistent. But uh, could they make it to the Western Conference Finals? Sure. Could they make it to the Finals? Possibly. Maybe. But I don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, at the 2 seed, the Utah, the, uh, the Phoenix Suns. This team I really like. And different from Utah, the Suns, the Phoenix Suns, they have – Perimeter defenders. They have a bunch of three and D guys. I look at guys like Jay Crowder. I look at guys like Makai Bridges. I look at guys like uh, Nader. They got Cam Johnson. They got Dario Sarage. They got they got guys coming off the bench who are who are pretty good perimeter defenders. 
Also, they're a smart basketball team. Let Monty Williams has done a great job with this basketball team. And then how can I forget? Chris Paul. Chris Paul, everywhere he goes, he wins. Devin Booker, you know, people, I mean, I'm hearing I'm hearing people saying Chris Paul is holding back Devin Booker. No, he's not. He's only elevating Devin Booker. And, and Devin Booker, he's probably getting some easier shots here and there due to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the ultimate leader in the NBA. And everywhere he goes, he wins. Everywhere he goes, he wins. So I like Phoenix a lot. I think Phoenix have a chance. They have a chance to make a deep playoff run. The Lakers, you guys know how I feel about the Lakers. They're 24 and 13 at the three seed. Uh, obviously, they've been hit with injuries and you know, COVID protocols and so forth. So they've been struggling over the last couple, over the last couple weeks or so. Really, they struggled really through February. Um I like I still like the Lakers. When healthy, I think the Lakers are still the best team in the Western Conference. When healthy, though. That's when healthy. You know. But I think we tend to forget. I want I don't I want to make this one point about the Lakers defense and compared to last year. In comparison to last year. We forget that the Lakers defense, obviously, they were great. They were great defense last year. But what the elements that made them great was their size and their length. The Lakers had ultimate size. And I'm talking about JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis. They had they had two legit, you know, big guys anchoring the lane. And then Anthony Davis. And then not to mention guys on the you, you know, you got guys on the perimeter and on the block like LeBron, who's 6'8. You know, Kyle Kuzma, who's 6'8, 6'9. Markeith Morris, who's 6'8, 6'9. You got guys like that. They got a lot of length. Well, they kind of lost that length. They don't have JaVale McGee anymore. They don't have Dwight Howard anymore. They added Marc Gasol. Marc Gasol has, he's obviously has been a shell of himself. He's, he, he, he's a shell of himself. He, I mean, his career is on life support, really, if you think about it. But then you, um, I'm, I'm, you know, Montrez Hurled, great energy guy. He gives you, he get, like, he give you 15 off the bench easily. But he's not a great defender, and he's undersized at six nine and six. Like he's undersized. So I, the Lakers missed that length. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go after, go into the buyout market. And get a guy like Hassan Whiteside, Andre Drummond, one of those two guys. Very similar to the Nets, where they lack, they need some more size in the front court. The Lakers need more size in the front court, and that's obvious. Um, the Clippers, I talked about the Clippers. Ah, uh, they 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 have a problem in close games. I don't know what it is, but the Clippers sometimes have they have some some good leads built up. And then the Clippers, they just get absolutely walked down. They get absolutely walked down by teams. So I gave you guys my concerns about the Clippers. Uh, Patrick, Be and, and, and let's be honest, the true concern is they need a true point guard. This, the Clippers need a true point guard. They need a real floor general, not Patrick Beverly. And at this point, if you're watching the Clippers games, if you're really watching the games, Patrick Beverly is a shell of himself. He has this great defensive, you know, he has this good defensive rep, you know, rep, reputation. But if you look at him defensively this year, he's not what he used to be. He's not, he's not, he's not that. He's not that. He's not the defensive stopper 
that his reputation that you know with his reputation may say it it it's not that he's not a he's not a defensive stopper it's it's all bark and no bite patrick beverly is all bark and no bite at this point at the 5 seed uh portland portland has Big, big credit to Damian Leonard. Also, shouts out to Damian Leonard for actually coming out, speaking out about what's going on in his personal life. I hope he gets well. I hope he's able to overcome those trials and tribulations. But he has overcome, he has overcame the trials and tribulations that the Blazers have faced on the court because they're missing Nurkic and CJ McCollum. Uh, I must, Gary Trent Jr., Carmelo Anthony, they have clearly stepped up to their roles or ascended to the second and third options um, with with the absence of Nurkic and C.J. McCollum, and they've done it well. I've seen Carmelo save the Blazers in some fourth quarters, and he's just absolutely phenomenal. He's able to turn back the clock a little bit. But Portland, to me, Portland, and this is the thing with Portland. Portland is, first first of all, they're never healthy. Like, they got to get their guys back healthy, but they don't play any defense. They don't play any. They don't play enough defense for me. I can't. Ta- I can't take Portland serious as a team that can get to the Western Conference Finals or go deep in the playoffs because they don't play enough defense. You got to be able to get stops, and they don't get enough stops. Um, at the sixth seed, the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks are so strange. They might be the weirdest teams in the league because I've seen the Denver Nuggets. They have some some head scratching losses. I mean, they they lost they lost two times to the Wizards. They got swept by the Wizards. And the way and did you guys see the way how they lost a three on one fast break and you shoot a three? It was it, it was just it was just unexplainable. And that's what I like to call the Steph Curry effect. But it was just unexplainable. So Denver and Dallas are two of the weirdest teams. In Dallas right now, they're hot. They're hot. Luka, obviously, averaging 28, 8, and 9. But they're like, they're they're some of the strangest teams. And I feel like with Denver, Denver's a team that could went that could go to the conference finals. Like, Denver's talented enough to get back to the Western Conference Finals. But then I sometimes watch them, and I'm like, they could lose in the first round of the playoffs. They could easily lose in the first round of the playoffs. Easily. So, uh, I mean, the, the Nuggets, they're weird. And then the, the Mavericks, like, they, they ask Luka to do a lot. And I think he's pretty good. I think Luka's great. I think he's phenomenal. You guys know I love Luka. But they ask him to do a lot. And maybe if they, they're able to take the ball hand and do these out of his hand, Sometimes, just sometimes. I know Jalen Brunson, he plays really well. I like Jalen Brunson's game. Uh Perzingis is starting to starting to come back into rhythm and, and flow. Dallas don't play enough defense for me either. Dallas is in the same boat as Portland. They don't play enough defense at all. They don't play enough defense. Nearly enough. They don't play enough defense. But that's my NBA review. I feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I feel pretty good about the second half of the season. I cannot wait. Playoffs, here we come. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait for the NBA playoffs this year. But uh, I'm going to shift topics, and let's move on to Big Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Um, and they, have, you know, the Steelers, they re-signed Big Ben 
But Big Ben, with the re-signing of Big Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers are automatically telling me that they, 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 they're they declaring that they do not want to win the Super Bowl this year with the re-signing of Big Ben. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Hey, y'all. I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. And before I move on to uh, Big Ben and the Steelers, All-Star, so I'm going to talk about the dunk contest. Or, I mean, because, first of all, let me say this. The dunk contest, it used to be, it used to be, like, the best event on that Saturday. It used to be the, it used to be the must-watch, I need to see the dunk contest event. Now for me, it feels like it feels like the most the most the like the must watch event. For, I mean, it's the three point shooting. That's the must. That's the must watch event for myself. But the dunk contest, it's just so weak. It, I, I don't this, like. This might be the weakest dunk contest we have had ever. Ever. I mean, we have Anthony Simons of the Portland Trailblazers. We have OB Toppin of the Knicks. I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with him because he went to Dayton. He had some, you know, highlight reel type dunks. And then Cassius Stanley of the Indiana Pacers, sort of, kind of. And the reason why I say sort of, kind of Indiana Pacers is because he plays for all. He also plays for the G League affiliate, which is, I think, the Mad Ants. I think the Mad Ants. Uh, so, yeah, he's in and out of the NBA and G League. So he's kind of a pacer, kind of. Yeah. But the the NBA, the NBA gave us no names. It, 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 I mean, this this must, like, I think, I honestly truly think this is the most, like, this is the weakest dunk contest ever. And that's no disrespect to none of those three players, but it's just the mere fact that the All-Star game, I mean, that the, the slam dunk contest used to have Michael Jordan, and I, Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins and Kobe did it, Dr. J did it. Like, stars used to participate in the dunk contest. You know, Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard, we used we used to have stars that participated in the dunk contest, and it's just it's just completely gone away. Um, and the, and I'm looking at the three point contest participants: Jalen Brown, Mike Conley, Steph Curry, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine. Like most of those, all of those guys are like star, like they're all all stars. All of those guys are all all-stars. Steph Curry is a top 10 player. Tatum is a emerging superstar. Jalen Brown's emerging superstar. Donovan Mitchell, he's a star. Zach Levine, he's a, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because, I guess because all of the players now 
like in today's game are not like leapers, like high flying dunk contest type of leapers. Like Zach Levine could do it. I mean, Zach Levine, he was awesome in the in the dunk contest. He was just phenomenal. He should have won. I, I think he he got robbed. He got he definitely got he won once, but he definitely got robbed. I think a couple years back, um, they gave it to Aaron Gordon, but Zach Levine had I think Zach Levine had clearly won it, so he didn't want to do it anymore. But he he did it like three times. He did it at least two times. I don't know about three. He did it at least two times though. So don't know. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's just it's just so funny to see where the dunk contest has gone. Um, also, breaking news uh, as I'm podcasting, it seems like I'm, I'm well. It's not so much breaking news, but I'm seeing multiple outlets, news outlets. Reporting that Blake Griffin, if you did not know, Blake Griffin got bought out by the Detroit Pistons. He took a $13 million haircut, <laughs> a $13 million haircut, and it seems like the Brooklyn Nets are favorites to land Blake Griffin. So Blake Griffin, uh, it's, 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 it's so crazy and so, I don't want to say sad, but it's just so crazy because Blake Griffin what some people thought he was going to be the face in the future of the league. And I, I, I never really bought into it because he, you know, never developed a jump shot, never developed post moves. He was just freakishly athletic. And as you see, as he's deteriorated, that athleticism has gone away. Like get this dunk. Blake Griffin has not dunked since 2019. In an NBA game, Blake, Blake Griffin has not dunked since 2019. That is insane when you think about it because Blake Griffin went from being the absolute best, one of, if not the best dunker in basketball, to not even dunking at all. It just shows you the wear and tear on his body, and, the, and he's still relatively young. He's still 32. Like, he's still relatively young, but it shows the wear and tear on his body and how his athleticism has just depreciated over time. So sad case to Blake Griffin. But I mean, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose, if you're gonna hey, you get cut by you $13 million, what you gonna do? Go get a ring. And he's you know, he's gonna go with the Nets, it seems like he's gonna sign with the Nets. That's that's what all signs are pointing to. So dunk contest kind of weak this year. Not kinda, it is. I, I ain't gonna be I can't be no, it is weak this year. And Blake Griffin, you know, looks like he's gonna be signing with the Nets. Possibly, most likely. I really do like Phoenix. I'm sorry. I, I and I know you guys are like Phoenix. I really do. They're well coached. Devin Booker. I mean, Chris, uh, Chris Paul. I trust him in big time moments. Devin Booker has like that Kobe mentality, that Mumba mentality, where I trust him in big spots and big moments. I don't know what it is, but he has that killer. I feel like Devin Booker has that killer. And you look at their pieces, you know, 3 and D guy here, 3 and D guy there. You know, they got a, a, a really good big man in DeAndre Aiden. Monty Williams, like this team is well coached. I like the Suns. I really do. I really do like Phoenix. They got guys like Dario Sarich, K 
Cameron Payne coming off the bench. Nader. I mean, like they got some nice little Pete Cam Johnson coming off of the bench, being able to shoot the three ball, play defense. I like Phoenix a lot. I like Phoenix a lot. I like Phoenix a lot. I really do. Um, so lastly, I want to get to the Steelers. Um in this type, in this news with Ben with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so the Steelers, if you guys don't know, the Steelers and the and Ben Roethlisberger agreed to a one year deal worth fourteen million dollars. So as as I already predicted, I gave you guys the in the in depth salary cap analysis a couple weeks ago concerning the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger's contract. And this is what I thought it would that this is what I thought would happen. He's going to shave a, a great portion of his salary. It's going to be spread it out. It's going to be spread it out all throughout the course of the next coming years. And that will allow the Pittsburgh Steelers to be, uh, you know, to be able to sign some guys. With the Pittsburgh Steelers re-signing Big Ben Roethlisberger, they have officially declared that we are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm, I'm just telling you like it is. Steelers fans, you guys have been banging on me all since the football season. Still, fans have been banging on me and banging on me, but I'm gonna continue to bang on you guys. Um, it, hey, with the Steelers re-signing Big Ben Roethlisberger, they are officially the Steelers are officially declaring we do not want to win the Super Bowl this year. Simple as that. We do not want to win the Super Bowl this year, and like the Steelers, when, when was the last significant playoff win that the Steelers had? That's what I that's what I keep asking people. When was the last significant win, playoff win that the Steelers had? When? When was the last time? You can't you can't remember. It's so far back. Don't bring up Alex Smith in Kansas City. Alex Smith, really? Come on. Big Ben Roethlisberger, come on. I I I just I'm looking at this Steelers situation. They're a good football team. They're a good football team. The Steelers have always been a good football team. Since I've been living and prior to my existence, they all the Steelers always have good football teams. But that's the thing. The Steelers, they're just a good football team. You know, they're going to they're, they're going to have TJ they're going to have Devin Bush back. Um hopefully they're able to re-sign Bud Dupree. They're probably not going to re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. But the Steelers they're going to have a good football team, and they're going to win some games. The, the Steelers are going to probably win like nine, ten games, get to the playoffs, and then lose again, losing the wild card round. That's that's what's going to happen. I can assure you that is what's going to happen. Steelers lose a couple playoffs. They're going to they're gonna win nine or ten games, get to the playoffs, in the wild card round, and lose because the Steelers have a good team. But that's the thing. They have a good team. They That's all they are. Just a good team. Not great. Not Super Bowl contenders like the Steelers are used to being. Nope. They're a good team. And they're always good. The Steelers are always good. But that's the problem. They're good. They're not great. And with this re-signing of Ben Roethlisberger, it's just more evidence that the Steelers are are officially declaring they do not want to win the Super Bowl this year. Simple as that. They don't want to win this. They don't want to win the Super Bowl this year. Simple as that. 
But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Um, bit of a short episode. We're going we're gonna to start. I'm going to start up in the ante <laughs> on myself. I'm going to start up in the ante on myself with uh, some more draft stuff. I, I've been more, I've been like NBA, 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 NBA. I'm going I'm to bring you guys some draft analysis, a little bit of draft analysis um, right before the draft. And as we get closer to the NBA playoffs, can't wait. March Madness around the corner. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Thank you, guys. I greatly appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace, deuces. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe.